radio That's with you every night Through the long commuter fight And in the morning with your toast and mama lady-o Who listens to radio No matter if it's summer, winter, spring or fall Who listens to radio The program originally canceled for this time will now be heard. Better McGee and Molly. From Hollywood, the Raleigh Cigarette Program, starring Red Skelton, Dave Rose, his orchestra, our singing star, Anita Ellis, Verna Felton, Lorene Tuttle, Pat McGee, and Dick Ryan, and yours truly, Rod O'Connor. The Columbia Broadcasting System presents a new comedy. My friend Irma. Starring Marie Wilson as Irma and Kathy Lewis as Jane with John Brown as Al. Quiet, quiet, please. Hello. There is someone waiting who will hurry up and rescue you this And now, here is Otiara. <laughs> Hey everyone, it's OTR Rob welcoming you to another edition of Fibber McGee and Molly. This episode is from June 1st, 1948, and Fibber has written a song. Well, actually, he wrote the song back in 1916, and a lot of songs during this time were being revived that were old songs from the teens and the 20s that were becoming quite successful in the in 1948 or the 1940s. And Fibber isn't the only one that's written a song. Foggy Williams has written a song. Let's listen. I suppose everyone tries his hand at songwriting sooner or later. <laughs> I once tried it myself. That's all. Yes. Yes, I was running a weather station at the North Pole all alone at the time Ooh. and took up songwriting to keep myself company. Hmm, that's a good way to keep yourself without company, too. Uh, what were some of your songs, Mr. Williams? Yeah, maybe we've heard them, Foggy. Well, I wrote one that the Eskimo women used to sing when their husbands went out whale hunting. I called it, Blubber, Come Back to Me. <laughs> and in case you didn't know, Blubber, Come Back to Me was a parody of Lubber, Come Back to Me, an old ballad. Sounds vaguely familiar. <laughs> but I think my best song was one I wrote about a young Eskimo lad who came into camp one day and drank all the alcohol out of our thermometers. Really? What'd you call that song? Denature Boy. <laughs> so enjoy this Fibber McGee and Molly show and find out who else has written a song besides our little fibber. <laughs> and I'll be back after this with my friend Irma. The Johnson's Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. The 
makers of Johnson's Wax Products for home and industry present Fibber McGee and Molly with Bill Thompson, Gail Gordon, Arthur Q. Bryan, and me, Harlow Wilcox. The script by Don Quinn and Phil Leslie is produced and directed by Frank Pittman with music by the Kingsmen and Billy Mills Orchestra. Have you ever noticed that no matter how carefully you wash your car, it still doesn't look as clean and bright as when it was new? Well, that's because water will not clean a car. It won't remove that greasy surface film built up by bugs, tree sap, tar, oil, and exhaust fumes. But Johnson's Carnew will. It cuts through that film in no time at all. Carnew does the job the quick, easy way. Here's how it works. Carnew is wax-fortified and contains powerful cleansing ingredients. Apply Johnson's Carnew. The cleaning ingredients quickly dissolve stubborn, dulling film. Even the gummiest, stickiest grime disappears after just a bit of rubbing. Carnew then dries to a white powder. Wipe that powder off, and almost like magic, your car is polished, sparkling bright. Carnew cleans and polishes at the same time. One application is all it takes to give your car a really professional showroom shine. Ask your dealer for Johnson's Carnew. With Carnew, it takes less time and less effort to bring out the beauty of your car. Look on the bright side, shine up the right side, bring out the beauty of your car. Some of the world's most daring speculators have never seen Wall Street, a stock ticker, nor a customer's man. Some of them just stand in the front window and speculate on what their husbands are so excited about as they come hurrying up the front walk. In this case, it's speculator Molly McGee and homecoming Fibber. As we meet, Fibber McGee and Molly. Ah, look at him running up the walk. I wonder what it is this time. Nobody's chasing him, so he must be. Hey, Molly. Molly. Hey, Molly. Hey, Molly. Where are you? I'm hey. right here, McGee. Oh. Sit down and catch your breath. You're wheezing like a pawn shop accordion. I'll say I am. Look. I was coming past Joe's Coke and Smoke Shop a while ago. Joe's Coke and Smoke Shop? Yeah. Isn't that where people go to vote on Election Day? Yeah. And where they stand around the rest of the year complaining about who they voted for? Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, as I was walking past Joe's Coke and Smoke, what do I hear playing on the jukebox but I'm looking over a four-leaf clover? Well, now, you mustn't be too hard on Joe for that. Maybe the needle got stuck back in 1917 or thereabouts. <laughs> That's the very point. Four-leaf clover must be anywhere near 30 years old. Look at Little White Lies. Look at Babyface. All old songs have been revived and all making a tidy little fortune for somebody. I'm going to cut myself in on that dough, Snooky. Oh. <laughs> well, how? Write a song to be revived in 1978? No, sir. Better than that. Listen. I happen to have already wrote a song that was mighty popular back in 1916. A novelty number. You wrote it? Yep. That was a novelty. <laughs> Yep, and I think the time is right to revive it, right now. Put it on the market. Sweep the country with it. Well, what's the name of this big hit you're going to sweep the country with? I named it for me. It's called Fibber's Tune. Ah. <laughs> Very modest of you. Yeah. I'll go get my mandolin and play it for you. I gotta have some kind of accompaniment when I sing. I never could sing Acapulco. <laughs> you never could sing what? Acapulco. That's a musical term. <laughs> means no accompaniment. It's from the Italian aca, meaning you're on, and poco, meaning your own. 
Acapulco, yawn, you're on your own, see? <laughs> Stanley, how on earth do you learn all those things? <laughs> I didn't learn that one. <laughs> you know something? I didn't know you knew a word of Italian, and here you know two of them. I know three. Spumoni. <laughs> Spumoni, what does that mean? I don't know, but it's an Italian word. Well, I'll run upstairs and get my old mandolin. I'm anxious to start reviving this song. Now, just a minute, Beethoven. Yeah. Come in. Oh, it's the old-timer, McGee. Hello there, Mr. Old-timer. Hi, old-timer. Hello there, kids. What you doing? Well, uh, we were just discussing an old song here to McGee's, Mr. Old-timer. It's a song I'm going to revive and make some dough on, old-timer. A lot of money in popular songs these days. You ain't telling me, Johnny. Yeah. I used to be a songwriter myself. Yeah. Used to write them and peddle them in Deadpan Alley. You mean Tin Pan Alley. Deadpan, daughter. That's what they all give me when I sung my songs for them. <laughs> Back in 1901, I wrote a dandy, kids. Yeah? I called it, Always Lay an Egg When I Try the Turkey Trot. <laughs> yes, I did too, didn't yeah. I? Sounds like it might have been a big seller. <laughs> no, but just lay there like a rusty card <laughs> Of course, we didn't have any jukeboxes or radio or crooners in them days. No. How many copies of a song can you sell by having it sang by a singing waiter with adenoids and a walrus mustache that strains out all the best lyrics? <laughs> well, what was your biggest hit, Mr. Oldtimer? Well, daughter, I think my biggest hit was a campaign song I writ when Grover Cleveland run for president. Went like this. Boom. I'm looking over a man named Grover that I overlooked before. <laughs> Sounds familiar. <laughs> Probably taken from one of the classics. Yep, sure, but I give it up, kids. Yeah. All the songs I wrote had to be sung loud so you can hear them over a brass band or the rattle of beer steins. Nowadays, songs are all wrote for soft-voiced little fellers to gulp into a microphone that makes them all sound like Caruso. <laughs> I wear this Crosby feller be today if he'd had to sing Throw him down, McCluskey, to the third balcony without a microphone. Well, I don't know where Crosby would be, but McCluskey would be way up on the hit parade. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's pretty good, daughter, but that ain't the way I heard it. The way I heard it, one feller says, tell the feller, say, he says. Modern medicine is really going places. They just cured my uncle of stealing horses. That's true, says Tutterfeller. How they do it? Psychology? Nope, says the first feller. They give him shots. Three of them in the seat of the pants. <laughs> <laughs>
So you can see right away that a song like this one just can't miss. I predict it'll catch on like kissing on a hayride. Here, let me sing it for you. Oh, peanuts. How do you like it so far? Well, maybe it'll grow on me, dearie. Sure it will. Where did you hear him sing it on the radio this afternoon over at WVIS? On the You're... radio? Sure. My goodness, those quiz shows will do anything, won't they? <laughs> oh, didn't I tell you? Every afternoon, the King's Men sing a bunch of songs wrote by local songwriters like me that they draw out of a hat, see? How could they draw you out of a hat? Huh? Oh, I see. You, they draw the songs out of a hat. Sure, they oh. draw the songs out of a hat. <laughs> when the guy reaches into that hat this afternoon, there'll be a hundred song titles in that hat, and by an odd coincidence, every one of the song titles will be Fibber's Tune by Fred McGee. Heavenly days. How'd you ever arrange that? Well, that's a trade secret, my dear. Oh? Yeah. And the fact that the guy who holds the hat for the king's men to draw out of happens to owe me four bucks from the Elks Club, that's got nothing to do with it. I see. Pure coincidence. Yep. When you got a talent for writing and a talent for shooting angles like I got Tootsie, plus a natural musical talent and a talent for... Hold it, talent. That's probably Arthur Godfrey. <laughs> Come in. Oh, it's the weatherman, McGee. Hello, Mr. Williams. Good afternoon, Mrs. McGee. And... Well, what's the mandolin for, McGee? Hmm? If you're thinking of becoming a wandering minstrel, I'll drive you to the edge of town. <laughs> no, I was just running over an old song I wrote, Foggy. And keep a tight grip on your hat, Mr. Williams, because of the drop of one, he'll sing for you. Yep. You're looking at the author of that dynamite song hit in 1916, which I'm about to revive and make a fortune out of, entitled Fibber's Tune, Foggy. Really? Mm-hmm. Well, that's a foolish enough title to become moderately successful, McGee. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I suppose everyone tries his hand at songwriting sooner or later. <laughs> I once tried it myself. That's all. Yes. Yes, I was running a weather station at the North Pole all alone at the time hmm. and took up songwriting to keep myself company. Hmm. That's a good way to keep yourself without company, too. <laughs> uh, what were some of your songs, Mr. Williams? Yeah, maybe we've heard them, Foggy. Well, I wrote one that the Eskimo women used to sing when their husbands went out whale hunting. I called it Blubber Come Back to Me. <laughs> Sounds vaguely familiar. But I think my best song was one I wrote about a young Eskimo lad who came into camp one day and drank all the alcohol out of our thermometers. Really? What'd you call that song? Denature Boy. (laughs) Oh, brother. (laughs) No wonder you were alone up there. Were you really all by yourself, Mr. Williams? Oh, yes. Yes, my only companion was a young penguin that hung around my camp. Oh, a penguin. Those are the little birds that always wear tuxedos, aren't they? Uh, yes, yes. He was a great help to me, this penguin. I shall never forget the time my supply ship failed to arrive. Yeah? That little penguin found me almost dead from starvation and saved my life. Saved your life? My gosh, he must have been smart. No, but he certainly was delicious. (laughs) Good day, probably. Hey, Foggy bailed out of here so fast I didn't even get to sing my song for him. Mm -hmm. And he thinks the North Pole was a narrow escape. Oh, well... He can hear it this summer on every jukebox and radio set in the country. Maybe he'll stay in the city. 
Even so, he can't escape it. Hey, listen to it again. Oh, peanuts. <laughs> Looks like your song hit is starting to ring the bell, dearie. Yeah. Maybe this is somebody else I can try it out on. Come in. Hello, Molly. Hi, pal. Hello, Mr. Wilcox. Come on in. Hi, Junior. Pull up a chair and listen to the greatest 1916 song. Oh, gee, I've had a swell afternoon, kids. I was over at the club taking a swim and ran into a friend of mine who just bought a new car. Well, that's fine, Junior, but I... Said he took it out on the road over the weekend, got it all grimy and dusty. Yeah, but... He was pretty discouraged about losing that beautiful showroom shine it had till I told him how easily he could get it back with Johnson's car new. Oh, is he eager today? (laughs) Well, when I explained how car new does what water can't do, it dissolves the greasy film that makes dirt and grime stick to your car, and how easily the dust and grease and traffic tarnish comes off with Carnew, he was delighted. And when I told him it was just a simple job, that you just rub Carnew on, let it dry to a white powder, and then wipe it off, and all the dirt comes right with it, leaving your car bright and gleaming again, he was so tickled. Oh, peanuts. <laughs> hey, is that your mandolin, pal? Why don't you put some strings on it? Doesn't make any noise. Doesn't make any noise. You keep banging on it, but I can't hear any... Oh, (laughs) you know what? No. I got through swimming this afternoon and forgot to take my earplugs out. (laughs) Isn't that silly? (laughs) Oh, there, now I can hear. Were you saying something, pal? I was trying to say, Junior, that I'm about to revive one of the big song hits in 1916. A little ditty entitled Fibberstone, which I wrote myself. That's go- great, pal. That's great. But look, let me tell you about Johnson's car, New. You've got a car. You just Billy- told us about car, New, Mr. Wilcox. Certainly, you met a guy at the club. Did I tell you, told- you that? Why, sure. Gee whiz, kids, I had these earplugs in and I didn't hear it. Thought I'd forgot to mention. <laughs> oh, well. Harlow. Harlow. Yeah. Old boy. <laughs> Sit down here, will you? Sure. Relax. You're going to hear a revival of the greatest song hit you ever heard. Sung by the composer himself. Okay, composer, okay. Let me do one thing first. What, Mr. Wilcox? Put my earplugs back in. <laughs> I don't want to lose them, and I figured oh, that was the best way. Laxie, I got a TL for you. You've put in all the plugs you're going to this season. <laughs> so now go home and come back in October. Okay, pal, thanks. Happy summertime, Same kids. To Same to you, Mr. Wilcox. Try and find anybody around this neighborhood with any musical depreciation. <laughs> hey, how do you like the song by now, Molly? Is it growing on you yet? Well, uh, I'm not quite sure, dearie. I'll think it over while I'm upstairs sorting the laundry. Oh, okay. Uh, you keep singing it to yourself, and maybe you'll get tired of it before long. Okay, kiddo. Ah, there goes a good kid. <laughs> she didn't realize when she married me that she was getting into the big dough. <laughs> She thought I'd be an old man before I hit the jackpot, and here we are on the road to riches, and I'm still only... Ooh, don't time fly. <laughs> I didn't realize... I... Come in. Hi, mister. Oh, hi, sis. I'm glad to see you. Here, toss the torso in a chair and take the tension off your metatarsals, Teeny. Well, I... Hmm? I, I says, aren't you out of school a little early this afternoon, sis? Oh, sure. Mm-hmm. Me and Willie Toops got out early for a reward, I betcha. Oh. On account of we got a hundred in history today for doing our homework right. Oh, you did, eh? And our teacher. Hmm? I said you did, eh? Who did? You and Willie Toops. Did what? Got a hundred. Where? In history. Where? Today. Why? For doing your homework right. I know it. <laughs> What you doing with the 
guitar, mister. You gonna be a cowboy star this summer, are you? No, no, this isn't a guitar, Teeny. It's a mandolin. As a matter of fact, though, I was in a Western picture one time years ago. Oh, really, mister? Did you ride a horse and play guitar, hmm? No, no, this was just a small part. I rode a Shetland pony and played a ukulele. (laughs) But as long as you asked about this mandolin, I'll... I'll play something for you. Oh, boy. Music. Yeah. (laughs) I'll sing you a little song I wrote myself back in 1916, sis. It's going to be a big hit this summer. The King's Men are singing it on the air, and you'll hear it on jukeboxes, radios, merry-go-rounds, sheet music. Oh, boy. Will my mama be able to get the music and play it on our piano, Mr. Will she on our piano? Why, sure she will. Mama can't play the piano. (laughs) Well, then she can have somebody play it for her. We haven't got a piano. (laughs) Okay, skip it. Here's how it goes. Oh! Peanuts go with popcorn, sunrise goes with dew, donuts go with coffee, and I want to go with you. Oh, how you like it so far? Oh, let me out of here. <laughs> ah, cute kid, but she never answered me. Or did she? McGee, do you know what time it is? Quick, turn on the radio. It's time for the King's Men. Bring you at this time that popular singing group, the King's Men, with a series of songs by amateur composers. This is it, kiddo. I hope they don't butch it up. The opening number has been drawn out of the hat, and it's Fibber's Tune by uh, Mr. Fibber McGee. That's it. In a two-room flat For better or worse In a two-room flat Each and every living thing From amoeba down to a jungle king Went looking for its natural mate Cause two by two is a natural state Two is a natural state Oh, peanuts go with popcorn Sunrise goes with you Donuts go with coffee And I want to go with you Oh, bacon goes with hen fruit Carrots go with stew Everything goes with something, so I want to go with, I want to go with, I want to go with you. When Noah built that great big boat, he doubted if she'd ever float. Cause one of each he could not bring. He had to take two of everything. He had to take two of everything. In this world so full of flaws, the very best of nature's laws is the one that took its maiden trip on Father Noah's partnership. Noah's partnership. Oh, corned beef goes with cabbage, red and white with blue. Mustard goes with hot dogs, and I want to go with you. Oh, even Wallace Wimple goes with you-know-who. Everything goes with something else. It's a thing that a thing must do. So I want to go with you.
Well, what do you think of the song now, Oh, kiddo? that sounded wonderful, McGee. I'll have to admit, I really like it. Certainly, everybody will like it. You're going to hear Fibber's tune on every radio program in the country. Except maybe We the People and Caltonborn. <laughs> and I'll bet I can get Caltonborn to discuss it in terms of world peace. Well, <laughs> sounds wonderful, dearie. But just what radio program do you think you can get it on and how? That's a cinch, baby. Who's got a musical show that'll be sponsored by Johnson's Wax this summer? Every Monday and Wednesday morning at Consult Your Local Newspaper for the exact time. Who? You mean Fred Waring? Natch. I'll call him up right now. Hand me the phone. Here. Take a little more cord. It's a long-distance call. Okay. Oh, interruptions, interruptions. Come in. Oh, McGee, it's Dr. Gamble. Do come in, doctor. Thank you, my dear, and good day to you, wet wash. Hi, Lancelot. Is it true you lost your satchel last week and three patients got well before you could find it? <laughs> now, McGee, I wish you wouldn't talk that way to the good doctor. man of his professional standing is entitled to a little respect. But not as little as I get from him. If he did a little more professional standing and a little less professional sitting, his experience would be wider and his pistol pockets narrower. <laughs> not to change what seems to you to be such an enjoyable subject, Scuttlebutt. May I ask how you intend to take the swelling out of that banjo? Well, that's not a banjo, Doctor. That's a mandolin. He's been playing an old song he wants to revive. Well, his mandolin playing is a strange way to revive anything. What is this beggar's opera you're promoting, Bucklewart? <laughs> it's called Fibber's Tune, Tone Deaf. <laughs> I wrote it myself in honor of myself. He, he says it was very popular back in 1916, Doctor. So was Russia. <laughs> Let me dash off a few bars for you, Ducky. You'll love it. Oh, peanuts. Look, 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 my boy. Ours has been a long and stormy friendship. Let's not strain it. Huh? <laughs> I know your voice, and I don't mind saying that I've heard better singing done by a pigeon on a stool under a hot light at the police station. <laughs> now, look, I'll get that. McGee's residence, Gamble speaking. Who? Oh, yes, Mrs. Clatterhatch. Oh, her again. How's that, Mrs. Clatterhatch? Your husband lost his nose in a lodge election argument? Oh. I'll be right over. Oh, my gosh, Doc. Lost his nose? Yes, he was counting the votes when the fight started. Yeah. Saved most of the S's, but lost all of his nose. Oh. <laughs> nice summer, kids. I'll miss you. Ah, so I'll put in a good word for him anytime If I could think of a good word that wouldn't get me pinched Well, hey, let's go in here ha Hand me the phone Thanks Hello, operator Give me Fred Waring in New York Yeah, the New York If it won't make you too jealous, McGee Tell him I think he's wonderful Okay Boy, when Fred and I get this song revived we'll... Oh, okay, operator, put him on Hello, Fred This is Fibber McGee No, no, McGee Molly's husband <laughs> Yeah, yeah Look, I want to help you out, Fred. You want to help him out like Dewey wants to help Truman out. <laughs> Look, Fred, I've got a song I'm promoting. I wrote it myself in 1916, and confidentially, it's terrific. <laughs> it's a revival and hotter than a pistol. Listen to this, Freddy. What do you mean you don't like it? I ain't even sung any of it yet. That was my mandolin. Sing it Acapulco, dearie. <laughs> you ready, Freddy? Well, here she goes. Oh, peanuts go with popcorn, sunrise goes with dew, donuts go with coffee, and I want to go with you. Oh, hello, 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 Fred. Hey, Fred, hello, hello. Oh. Hmm. Must have been cut off. 
I'll call him back later. Well, you know, it's very difficult to interpret a fine musical selection over the phone, dearie. Uh, why don't you mail him a copy? Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm gonna ask him to feature it on his first show for the Waxworks next Monday morning. If he likes it. You don't think he hung up because he didn't like it, do you? Oh, don't be ridiculous. How could anybody dislike it? A frightening question. <laughs> Anyhow, it sounded great when the King's men sang it. Couldn't have got very bad in ten minutes. <laughs> Look, you say you wrote this song? Yep, I wrote it. You say it. it was very big in 1916? Biggest song I ever handled. Sixteen pages. <laughs> Had to cut it down to get anybody to look at it. I see. And it was very popular? Very. With whom? With me. I liked it better than any song I ever wrote. Funny I could never sell it. You mean it never was published? Nope. But now that I've revived it, we'll make it Tell the me one thing. How can you revive a song that was never published? Ah, uh, ah, uh, you put your finger on the big talking point, kiddo. That's it. This is the first song ever wrote that was revived before anybody ever heard of it. What a novelty. What a... Hey, let me run over it again for you. Uh, please do, and I'll help you, dearie. Oh, peanuts go with popcorn. Sunrise goes with you. Donuts go with coffee, and I want to go with you. Oh, bacon goes with hen fruit, carrots go with stew. I'm going on vacation, and I'm gonna go with you. Nothing tough or tiresome about polishing your car if you use Johnson's Wax Fortified Car New. As a matter of fact, with Car New, it's really quite simple and easy to make your car bright and shiny. You merely apply Car New with a dry cloth, rub just a bit to loosen road dirt and grime, then let dry to a white powder. Wipe off the white powder and presto, your car's polished. You see, Johnson's Car New does two jobs at once. It cleans and at the same time it polishes to a bright, shining luster. The secret is that Carnew dissolves that sticky traffic film built up by bugs, tree sap, oil, and exhaust fumes. Water alone won't remove that greasy road grime, but Carnew will, quickly and easily. No aching elbows, no aching backs. Car beauty comes easily when you use Johnson's wax-fortified Carnew. Try it and see for yourself. Yes, sir, you show me a man who's used Johnson's Carnew, I'll show you a man who's found the easy way to bring out the beauty of his car. Look on the bright side, shine up the right side, bring out the beauty of your car. Well, it's about that time of the year again, dearie. Yep, Fred Waring takes over for the Johnson people next week. Every Monday and Wednesday morning, all summer. That's wonderful, and it's been another happy season for us, too, hasn't it? Swell. With all our good friends who keep listening to us. Honestly, I don't know what we'd do without them, McGee. Well, I do, but I don't like to think about it. <laughs> I wish there was some way we could say thanks to everybody who's been so nice to us all year. You know what I think they'd like us to say by this time? You mean? Yes. Oh, good night. Good night, all. Liver McGee and Molly will be back October 5th. In the meantime, the makers of Johnson's Wax products bring you Fred Waring and his Pennsylvanians every Monday and Wednesday morning. Consult your local newspaper for the correct time and tune in next Monday morning, won't you? This is Harlow Wilcox saying good night. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. This is one of those days that make people say that New York is a great place to visit, but not to live in.
Why? Because the temperature is hugging the century mark and the humidity is picketing your pores. <laughs> Irma and I are stretched out, gasping for breath on our patio. <laughs> you see, we like to think of our fire escape as a patio. <laughs> Jane! Jane! Oh, don't talk, sweetie. It's too hot. Jane, what's the temperature of the human body? 98 is normal. What's the temperature on the fire escape? Let me see. My goodness, it's 98. Now, what are we complaining about? Everything is normal. <laughs> As demonstrated by Jane and Irma, it's hot in New York City. And how do you get away from the heat in New York City? Why, well, you go to Coney Island. Sounds like a simple thing, except one problem. <laughs> and that is that Irma is involved with this trip to Coney Island. Find out what happened with Jane and Irma. Do they make it to Coney Island when you listen to this? My friend Irma from June 7th, 1948. And I'll be back after this with Fred Skelton. Irma, look at that New York skyline. Isn't it amazing to think that the Indians sold all of Manhattan for only $24? Isn't that silly? They could have gotten $1,000 for the Empire State Building alone. <laughs> when you listen to my friend, Irma. Friendship, friendship, just a perfect friendship when other friendships have been forgotten. Theirs will still be hot. Lever Brothers, makers of Swan, the soap with the exclusive Super Cream Blend presents... Our friend Swan. With my friend, Irma. Starring Mary Wilson as Irma and Kathy Lewis as Jane. say that New York is a great place to visit, but not to live in. Why? Because the temperature is hugging the century mark and the humidity is picketing your pores. <laughs> Irma and I are stretched out, gasping for breath on our patio. <laughs> you see, we like to think of our fire escape as a patio. <laughs> Jane! Jane! Oh, don't talk, sweetie. It's too hot. Jane, what's the temperature of the human body? 98 is normal. What's the temperature on the fire escape? Let me see. My goodness, it's 98. Now what are we complaining about? Everything is normal. <laughs> well, ordinarily, I'd try to straighten Irma out, but it's too hot to argue. In fact, to forget the heat, Irma and I are playing a game. We're looking on the clotheslines around us and trying to guess what kind of people each line represents. For instance, um, over there on Mrs. Burton's line, there are two silk-striped men's shirts and five pair of boys' overalls. Story's quite plain. Mr. Burton is a big man about town, and Junior has to support the family. <laughs> Jane, I've got one figured out. Yeah? Yes, Mrs. Adams has two and a half children. <laughs> she has. Uh, how did you arrive at that? Oh, it's very simple, Jane. There's five stockings on the line. <laughs> A gold star for you, Irma Peterson. 
I suppose because there are two sunbonnets hanging on Mrs. Horowitz's line, she has two heads. Two heads. <laughs> well, she does keep to herself. Gosh, Jane, isn't it warm? Yeah, it's just about the hottest day I can remember. Let's go back into the house. Maybe it's cooled off. All right, Jane. Oh, no. It's just as hot in here. Well, I think I can bring the temperature down, Jane. Just give me time. Irma, what are you going to do with all those paper bags? I'm going to fill them all up with warm air and put them in the icebox and let them cool off. <laughs> oh, please, honey. Please. Is that any good, Jane? Irma, the next time we go out in the sun, promise me you'll wear a hat. <laughs> Gosh, I wish there was some way we could cool off. And Irma, don't suggest that we put cold slaw on our heads. <laughs> oh, that's ridiculous. What will we have for supper? <laughs> Look, Janie, if we really want to cool off, why don't we go to Coney Island and sit on the beach? Sit? Irma, if we were ballet dancers, we couldn't find enough beach in that crowd to stand on one toe. Oh, but, Jane, there's going to be a contest and a parade, and the couple with the best personality gets a prize. Yeah, but honey, it's such a trek to Coney Island. Well, with Alan Richard, it'd be so much fun. Fun. <laughs> Richard at Coney Island. Honey, I don't want to make Richard seem snobbish, but the whole picture is out of focus. That'd be like asking Mrs. Vanderbilt to write a column for the Hobo News. <laughs> oh, but Jane, we have such fun at Coney Island. Al wins so many prizes, like when they try to guess his weight. Yeah, I know, Irma. Someday they're going to find that brick in his back pocket and they'll let him have it. <laughs> But not for a prize. Hello. Oh, hello, Richard. Hmm? Yes, of course I'm warm. How is it out there in your neck of the woods? It is? Well, it just goes to show you, even with a cool million, you can be hot. <laughs> you know, Richard... Jane, Jane, tell him about Cody Island. Irma, please, honey, I'm talking. Wait a minute. What, 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 Richard? No, huh, no, Irma's just talking. She, she has a crazy idea. And I, it's too ridiculous to talk about. I, I don't want to embarrass you. She, well, she thought you'd like to go to Coney Island. Isn't that silly? You'd love to go. <laughs> you think it's a wonderful idea? Hold the phone, will you, Richard? I want some water. Now it's really hot. You'll be here in an hour? Well, yes, of course, we'll be ready. Goodbye. Irma, did you hear that? Richard wants to go with us. Well, that's what I like about Richard. He's not high hat. I think for a Republican, he's very democratic. <laughs> now, I wonder where I can get in touch with Al. Well, finding Al may be a problem. Today being Sunday and everything closed, he's probably looking for a job. Irma, what are you doing? I'm calling his hotel. Oh. Hello, is this the Hotel Lennox? It is? Well, I'd like to speak to Al. Huh? He's not there and you don't expect him back? Well, why not? Oh, the suitcase he left for security is full of old telephone books and all the sheets and towels are gone. <laughs> well, that's my Al. He never takes anything for nothing. Goodbye. Now, let me see. Where else could he be? Now, honey, who are you calling this time? The movies. Uh, hello, Circle Theater? 
Uh, do you still, do you still let children in for half price? <laughs> you do? Well, did the man walk in an hour ago on his knees? <laughs> oh, you threw him out again. In what direction? Downtown? Thank you. Irma, don't bother telephoning. If you want to find Al, just hang a sandwich out the window on a string and he'll come flying in like a buzzard. <laughs> oh, please, Jane. Uh, hello? Is this a candy store? Yes, I'll wait. Honey, you're just wasting time. No, I'm not. This is the most direct way to find Al. You see, the man in the candy store tells a newsboy, and the newsboy tells the first taxi driver. Yeah, go on. And, yeah, and the taxi driver tells the other taxi drivers, and the first one that flies by the unemployment office tells Harry. Harry? Why doesn't he tell Al? Well, Jane, didn't you know Al doesn't wait in the unemployment line anymore? He has a stand-in. <laughs> soon he'll have a caddy to pick up cigarette butts for him. Uh, excuse me, Jane. Yeah, it's quite all right. Hello, is this the candy? Oh, Al, I've been trying to reach you. Where are you? In the telephone booth? Well, Al, I called to see if you'd like to go to Coney Island with us. You would? You'll be right over? Oh, swell, Alan. Thanks a lot for inviting me. Bye. <laughs> Oh, Jane, isn't he wonderful? I don't know what I've done to deserve him. Must have been something pretty horrible. <laughs> well, what bathing suit are you going to wear, sweetie? Well, gee, I could wear that two-piece blue suit I wore last year. But I don't think it looks so good on me this year. Why not? You haven't put on any weight. No, but I lost one of the pieces. Oh. <laughs> Wear your green one, huh? I'm sure that you'll look sensational. Come in. It's only me, Professor Kropotkin. <laughs> Hello, Janie and Elva, my two little gold chains. One with a charm, one with a missing link. <laughs> Excuse me, a little joke I picked up from an old pawnbroker. <laughs> Why, Professor. Oh, Professor, isn't the heat terrible? Not in my room. Up there, it's just like going to the seashore. You can actually feel the moist spray blowing in your face from the broken water pipe. <laughs> in fact, if it didn't make me so sleepy, I would stay up there all day. Makes you sleepy? Yes, I also got a broken gas pipe. <laughs> <laughs> Professor, would you like to go to Coney Island with us? Coney Island? Yeah, wouldn't it be fun to go to the beach, lie on the sand? What do you think is on my floor, a carpet? <laughs> oh, come on. Be serious, Professor. Irma and Al are going to Coney going in with Richard and me. Listen, you could take Mrs. O'Reilly. After all, it's about time you two patch things up. Mrs. O'Reilly, I wouldn't have anything to do with her if she was the last woman in the world. And by the looks of her, she must have been the first. <laughs> You know, it's too bad that Professor and Mrs. O'Reilly don't get along anymore, isn't it? You know, when he was going with her, he seemed a lot happier. I noticed that too, Jane. Every time she used to ask him for the ready laugh. Yeah. Come in. Hello, Jane. Hi, Irma. Oh, dear. 
Oh, Richard, you're a little early. I'm not quite ready. Well, Jane, I don't like to disappoint you, but I'm afraid I won't be able to go to Coney Island with you. Oh, Richard, why not? Business. One of my clients insists on seeing me right away. Oh, Richard, it's so hot today. I know, but business before pleasure. And, oh, seeing you in a bathing suit would be so much pleasure. Ah, oh, gee, when you say that, I can't be angry. Could have been such fun, though. There's a personality contest, a bathing beauty parade. Well, the summer's just beginning. Speak other days. Maybe we can do it another time. Goodbye, Jane. Bye, Irma. Bye, Richard. Goodbye. Oh, don't feel too badly, Jane. No, I'm kind of getting used to it. When you're that way about an important man, appointments mean nothing. You might as well throw out the clock. But how will I know when it's time to go on his work? Oh. <laughs> Honey, it's just an expression. You and Al go ahead. You have a good time. I'll manage to find something to do. Come in. It's only me again, Professor Kropotkin. <laughs> Girls, I've made up with Mrs. O'Reilly. I realize I've been a blind fool. Oh, that's wonderful. Yes, to make up with Mrs. O'Reilly, you've got to be a blind fool. <laughs> but something about taking her to the beach fascinated me. <laughs> what is it? Time will tell. It's Al, chicken. Come in, Al, honey. Hiya, folks. Sorry I'm late. Was busy cutting off the top of my bathing suit. Why did you do that? Didn't think it was becoming. Especially the part that said, property of Coney Island bathhouse. <laughs> well, chicken, see so you got your bathing suit on and ready to go. Where's yours, Jane? Oh, well, Al, Richard can't make it, so I decided to stay home. Oh, wouldn't think of it, Jane. You can come with Irma and me. Well, that, that's sweet of you, Al. All right, I'll go along, but you don't have to worry about entertaining me. I just want to get a breath of air. Oh, that's wonderful. And, Al, I, I hope we win the personality contest. Personality contest? Yes, we parade in front of the judges in our bathing suits. That'll be a novelty, standing in front of a judge and not having to plead not guilty. <laughs> and, Al, the professor and Mrs. O'Reilly are coming with us, too. That's right, Al. You don't have to be afraid to go in the water. With Mrs. O'Reilly around, the sharks wouldn't dare come inside the three-mile limit. <laughs> for you. They frame me. I gotta think fast. Get an alibi. No, well, he says he's a friend. Oh. Hello, friend. What's on your mind? You got a guy who wants to invest in my deals? Charlie, are you sure he's all right? Oh, he just twitches a little. <laughs> well, in that case, don't send him here. We'll go down and see him. Thanks, Charlie. If anything develops, we'll cut you in. Goodbye. Chicken, we'll have to cancel our beach trip. Someone wants to put dough in my latest deal. Oh, well, you and your deal. Yeah, but this one may be the turning point in my life. Enable me to marry you. Marry me? Yeah, and let's face it, chicken. Money is very important in the early years of our marriage. Because the children can't collect unemployment insurance until they're 16. <laughs> so we'll be talking with you, chicken. Goodbye. <laughs> Don't cry, honey. I was stood up, too. But now we can't go to Coney Island. Who says you can? But you're taking Miss O'Reilly. That's the point. When you take somebody like Mrs. O'Reilly, you've got to have an antidote. <laughs> My arm girls, Coney Island, here we come. City, the melting pot. I don't know that it's true all year round, but in the summer, if you want to melt, believe me, there's no place like New York. 
course, if you want relief, there's always Coney Island. And it is relief. Because after a day at Coney Island, you can't wait till you get back to New York. Oh, frankly, I don't know why we came here. Coney Island has turned out to be a nothing. A crowded nothing. Irma, because Al didn't come along, is utterly miserable. She hasn't stopped eating since we got here. She always eats like that when Alice stood her up. She says it helps fill the emptiness inside her. As for me, without Richard, I'm completely bored. There's only one person seems to be enjoying himself, and that's Professor Kropotkin. You know why? He's burying Mrs. O'Reilly in the sand. He keeps saying... Can you still breathe? And when Mrs. O'Reilly says... Oh, yes, Professor. He says... Got to get more sand. Irma is still moping. Jane. What is it, sweetie? You know, sometimes I wish there was no such thing as men. Wish there was something else. What would you like them to be? Oh, anything. Canary birds, dogs, do- No, that wouldn't be any good. We'd be spending all our time in pet shops. Yeah. <laughs> and it'd be such trouble to find a husband who was housebroken. <laughs> Forget about Al disappointing you. We're on the beach. We came here to enjoy ourselves. Let's be gay. Laugh. Laugh. Oh. <laughs> Irma, that's hardly a laugh. Well, I can't help it, Jane. My heart's not in it. Why not, honey? A man just sat on our lunch. <laughs> oh, that's fine. That's fine. That's all we needed. Girls, are you very busy? No, Professor. What do you want? Could you please help me find Mrs. O'Reilly? <laughs> oh, Professor, don't you remember where you buried her? Well, I put the paper plate over the spot, but the wind blew it away. Oh, here comes Miss O'Reilly. Hello, girls. Oh, there you are, Professor. Mrs. O'Reilly, where have you been? Oh, I was up on the boardwalk. Professor, I've entered our names in the personality contest. You and me? Your name and my name? Yes, do you think we'll have a chance to win? No, but we could set a good example of what would happen if Cupid ever starts using poison darts. <laughs> oh, hush your spoofing. Come on, Professor, walk me to the bathhouse. I want to change into me other bathing suit. You have another suit with you, Mrs. O'Reilly? Oh, yes. I understand that a girl's figure plays a very important part in these contests. So I think I'd better wear the bathing suit that leaves my knees exposed. <laughs> Come on, Professor. We'll see you later, girls. Oh, oh, Jane. Everybody's getting in a personality contest but me. Yeah. Well, I'm not in it either, honey. We just happen to be stranded without our men. I feel terrible. Yeah. Where are you going, sweetie? Oh, I think I'll take a swim. They say an ocean voyage makes you forget. Well, Irma, don't go out too far. Remember, you've just eaten. You might get a cramp. All right, Jane, I'll be careful. Why don't you take a swim with me? No, thanks, honey. This bathing suit bathing solves in water. <laughs> no, I'll just sit here and amuse myself. Have fun. I will. Goodbye. Pardon me. Yes? I just realized I've been sitting on your lunch. Oh, well, that's all right. You don't have to look so terrified. But I am. 
A lot of that stuff isn't on my diet. What? Goodbye now. Well, I will be... Hiya, Jane. Well, Al. Well, Al, what are you doing here? I thought you were tied up on business. Was, but the deal fell through. As could be expected. Yeah, but this one seemed like such a natural. It's a device for guys who don't want to break their promise to their wives when they've told them they're going on the wagon. What is it? It's a bar on a wagon. (laughs) But the guy didn't go for it, so let's forget it. Jane, uh, where's Chicken? Oh, she's in the water, Al. Last time I saw her, she was right up... Al, look at that crowd. The lifeguard's bringing someone in. So what? Good-looking lifeguard, someday and probably hollering for help. Al, it's Irma. Irma? Oh, wait a minute. She can swim. Yeah, but Al, accidents can happen to the best swimmers. Come on, let's help her. She looks like she don't need no help. Look at the way she's got her arms around his shoulders. Oh, Al, don't be narrow. So he's carrying her. What do you want her to do when she's drowning? Carry him? (laughs) Well, I don't like it, Jane, and I'm going to let her know it. Oh, hello, Jane. Oh, Al, gee, I'm so glad to see you. You see, I almost drowned. Yeah. Fun, wasn't it? What do you mean, Al? Look, Chicken, I saw the way you were hugging that lifeguard when he was carrying you. Oh, Al, I wasn't hugging him. I was practically unconscious. In fact, that's what the the lifeguard told me all the way in. He kept saying, where do you want me to take you, unconscious? Just because you you and I was disappointing you for the personality contest didn't give you the right to carry on with some other guy. Well, now you've got the right, because I'm stepping out of the picture. Goodbye, matter Harry. Oh, no, Al. Please, Jane, don't let him go. Please go after him. Don't let him go. Oh, don't worry about him, honey. Give him a chance to cool off. I don't want him to cool off. Sun's going down. I'm getting chilly. (laughs) Jane, please. Oh, honey, all right. If you're going to get hysterical, I suppose I'll have to go after him. Al? Al? Al, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. I want to talk to Please, you. Please, Jane, I've made up my mind. Look, Al, look, Al, Irma wants you to come back. Frankly, if I were Irma, I'd not only give you railroad fare, I'd carry your bags to the station. But Irma loves you, and I'm not going to see you hurt her because I love Irma. Oh, well, I don't want to hurt Chicken. Oh, you don't want to hurt her. <laughs> Do you realize what that girl goes through every time you quarrel with her? Do you realize what I go through? Well, let me tell you. Remember last October when you made a date with another girl? Yeah. Well, she tried to kill herself by gas. She turned on the stove and she sat in front of it for six hours before she remembered it was electric. (laughs) And then so it wouldn't be a total loss, she baked a cake. (laughs) Almost killed all of us. (laughs) Al, I have only one life to give to my country, but to me, you're not Uncle Sam. You mean I really affect chicken that much? Yes, you do. And if you're half a man, you'll enter the personality contest with her so she can have a little fun. Come on. What do you say, Al? Sure, Jane. Don't want to worry my future wife and have her hair turn prematurely gray. She'll have a tough enough time getting a job as it is. (laughs) You want a hot dog, Jane? They look pretty good. No, thanks, Yeah, well, tell chicken I'll meet her here on the boardwalk for the contest. Got to make a call. Who are you calling, Al? Who else but... Hello, Joe. Al, got a problem. That's enough for me. Goodbye, Al. Say, Joe, I'm at Coney Island, going to enter a personality contest with Irma. What do you suggest? Uh-huh. 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 Mm-hmm. Forget the personality contest and go over to the shooting gallery if I want to clean up? But, Joe, there's no money in knocking over clay pigeons. Oh, you don't mean clay pigeons. The manager is loaded. <laughs> no, Joe, may be mistaken, but think managers are out of season. 
will enter the contest despite your advice. Goodbye, noble friend. Well, we're all on the boardwalk, and the personality contest has just begun. There go Al and Irma. I must say that Irma looks adorable. Looks She's arm in arm with Al, and they're doing a funny little dance step. I won't say it's not graceful. I'll only say that one look at it, and Arthur Murray had burned down his studios. <laughs> Al is smiling broadly and strutting with his chest out. He couldn't be any happier if he had a written guarantee that he wouldn't get a job for the next 20 years. <laughs> you know, I think she's going to win. I'm sure she is. Richard! Oh, Jane, I've been looking all over for you. I tried to get here in time for the contest, but I guess I'm too late. Richard, would, would you have entered this contest? With you? Any time. Oh, Richard, imagine the two of us standing here in the sun with the temperature 140. Well, it's not 140. Oh, it is when you talk that way. Look, Richard. Look, Alan Irma won the Irma test. Look. So they have. Yeah. Jane. Jane, look at this wonderful cup I won. Oh, congratulations, honey. Thanks, but personally, I don't think it's fair. Why not? Well, Al won the contest with me, and if I won a cup, the least they could have done was give him the saucer. <laughs> the other night I came home and found Irma putting a bathing cap on a cake of swan soap before she put it in the bathtub. So I said, Irma, what's the bathing cap for? And Irma said, I don't want my swan to get water in his ears. <laughs> well, Jane, you know very well that Irma isn't serious because she knows that the best place for swan soap is right in the dishpan. Sure, when it comes to washing dishes, swan's in a class by itself. Why, even the way a cake of swan feels tells you it's a perfect dishwashing soap. Next time... Feel the cake with your fingertips. Feel how Swan Super Creamed Blend makes it differ from other soaps. It feels smoother. Then feel those mild Swan Suds in your dishpan. They feel different, too. Richer, creamier. And they protect your hands. Yes, thanks to Swan Super Creamed Blend, your hands are left with a smooth, soft, young look. And here's an added note, lady. Those Swan Suds rinse away so completely, your dishes don't need wiping. Now, that's a real time saver. So remember, if you want a soap that protects your hands, a soap that'll get you out of the kitchen in a hurry, you want the soap with the exclusive super-creamed blend, Swan Soap. Well, the contest is over, but it's still too hot to breathe. So when we got home, I said... You know, honey, let's go to a movie. They're air-conditioned. Well, what's playing, Jane? Oh, there are lots of good pictures. The, um, the Fuller Brush Man, So Evil, My Love, The Great Waltz. Which one would you like to see? Gone with the Wind. <laughs> Gone with the Wind? Uh -huh. Irma, you've seen that picture 18 times in the past 10 years. Yes, isn't it wonderful the way Clark Gable never gets a day older? <laughs> Well, Gable may not be getting any older, but believe me, I'm getting a little grayer living with my friend, Irma. My Friend Irma, presented by Swan, another fine product of Lieber Brothers Company, was produced and directed by Cy Howard. Tonight's script was written by Cy Howard and Park Levy. My Friend Irma stars Marie Wilson as Irma and Kathy Lewis as Jane. The part of Professor Kropotkin was played by Hunley Henry. 
Ladies and gentlemen, this is an important announcement. You all know the security loan drive is on. Well, do you know just how much buying security bonds will help you save, will help you reach objectives like a retirement income, education for your children? Start today. Enroll in a regular payroll saving plan where you work or where you bank. But above all, start to save now by buying and holding United States security bonds. Frank Bingman speaking. Yes, there's a reason why Spry makes grand cakes. Spry has an amazing cake improver secret. Try the Spry one bowl way and be sure of lighter, finer, richer cakes every time. No other type of shortening has Spry's cake improver. For new cake making success, try Spry, the pure all vegetable shortening. Rely on Spry. S P R Y. Tune in next week one hour earlier and listen to the Lux Radio Theater, immediately followed by my friend Irma. This is CBS, where 99 million people gather every week. The Columbia Broadcasting System. Too bad about radio. Oh, what do you mean? Well, since television, you know, hardly anybody listens to radio anymore. Oh, I wouldn't worry about that if I were you. There's a radio in use for every man, woman, and teenager in America. Really? Gee, I'd hate to think of them all turning them on at once. They do. Every morning. Who listens to radio? That's nowhere you go, medium called radio. That's with you every night through the long commuter fight. And in the morning with your toast and mama lady Who listens to radio? Summer, winter, spring, or fall. Who listens to radio? Only 150 million people. That's all. You know, I felt a little sad about this being our last show of the season. Yeah, me too. I got to thinking we won't be working together after tonight. I felt kind of bad. Oh, but Red, I'll be back next fall. That's why I feel so bad. Red, what are you going to do this time? I'm going to take it easy. I'm going to take the family and motor back to the Middle West. I'm going to hike a couple hundred miles, sleep in sleeping bags, if Nature Boy will give his permission. (laughs) Nature Boy was a very popular song recorded by Nat King Cole in March of 1948 and was one of his earliest hits on the hit parade. You know, I think everybody needs a rest. That's why I'm going off the air, to give my listeners a rest. Mm -hmm. Both of them. (laughs) Well, who's our summer replacement? Sigmund Romberg and his beautiful music, and John Howard's going to sing with him. Mm-hmm. But how about jokes? Well, the sponsor figures he's gone this long without him. Why should he change? <laughs> well, Red Skelton's right. This is the last show of the season for all the shows, at least for the 1948 season of the Red Skelton show. And there's going to be some changes made in the fall. Red Skelton won't be back with us, and I don't believe Fred Allen will be either. I won't know yet until I talk it over with Buck, but what I plan on doing is bringing you Our Miss Brooks and Life with Luigi uh, this fall, and both of those shows are very funny, and I hope you'll enjoy those, and, you know, I... Wouldn't mind some email input from you guys for the 1948 season. And so you can email me at otrrob50 at gmail.com. 
and let me know what you would like to hear in the fall. And uh, I'll take those emails through the summer because we got some excellent summer shows coming to you this summer. So, and I think you're going to like every one of them. So enjoy this Red Skelton show, and I'll be back with an ironic episode of Fred Allen. The Red Skelton Program, brought to you by Cool Cigarettes. Just smoke a cool and you will see how refreshing cools can be. Switch from hot to cool cigarettes for that clean, cool taste in your mouth. As Willie the Penguin says, smoke cool. Cigarette program starring Red Skelton, Dave Rose, and his orchestra, our singing star Anita Ellis, Verna Felton, Lorene Tuttle, Pat McGeehan, and yours truly, Rod O'Connor. There's Earl. From MGM Studios comes the star of the Cool Cigarette program, Red Skelton. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen, for your spontaneous applause. It's better than the way we rehearsed it, believe me. <laughs> How are you? Well, Rod, it finally arrived. You mean our last show of the season? No, the car I ordered. <laughs> but I waited a long time for a delivery on it, boy. But now that you've got your car, wasn't it worth waiting for? Well, I don't know. I don't think Stanley Steamers are so nice anymore. <laughs> You know, I felt a little sad about this being our last show of the season. Yeah, me too. I got to thinking we won't be working together after tonight. I felt kind of bad. Oh, but Red, I'll be back next fall. That's why I feel so bad. (laughs) Red, what are you going to do this time? I'm going to take it easy. I'm going to take the family and motor back to the Middle West. I'm going to hike a couple hundred miles, sleep in sleeping bags, if nature boy will give his permission. (laughs) You know, I think everybody needs a rest. That's why I'm going off the air, to give my listeners a rest. Mm -hmm. Both of them. Well, who's our summer replacement? Sigmund Romberg and his beautiful music, and John Howard's going to sing with him. Mm -hmm. But how about jokes? Well, the sponsor figures he's gone this long without him. Why should he change? (laughs) Well, what are you going to do on your vacation? Well, truthfully, I think I'm going to work around in the garden, raise a little garden to help fight inflation, you know? Now, why do you say that? You know anything about raising a garden? Do I know anything about a garden? Me, a guy from Indiana? Do I know anything about a garden? I can learn. (laughs) Well, I hope you've learned something from last year. I'll never forget those pumpkin seeds you planted. (laughs) Yeah, I found out they grow better if you take them out of the package. (laughs) You know, anything grows out here in California, though. I dropped a little piece of paper in with the seed, and the next morning in the very same spot was a a newspaper. We all like to go out to the ball game. But do you know something baseball is responsible for, friends? Well, for one thing, baseball accounts for a big jump in cigarette smoking. There's something about sitting in the stands and cheering those home team rallies that makes you reach for a cigarette. Then another, and another. Pretty soon you're apt to find that your mouth and throat have begun to feel all dry and parched. And that's the time to switch from hots to cools. 
For no matter how steadily you've been smoking, one puff of a cool and you'll really enjoy a cigarette again. You'll find that the distinctive flavor of cools gives you a refreshing feeling that just can't be matched by ordinary hot cigarettes. Cools, America's most refreshing cigarettes, are specially blended from smooth, ripe tobaccos. Cools are mild and mellow, make your throat feel cool and clear. So next time you get that parched, dry feeling in your mouth, switch to Cools for that clean, cool taste in your mouth. And here's our lovely Anita Ellis to sing. What are you singing, dear? All the things you are. Oh. Of springtime that makes the lonely winter seem long. You are the breathless hush of evening that trembles on the brink. Of a lovely song You are the angel glow That lights the star The dearest things I know Are what you thing a performer learns in show business is how to say goodbye. We all know that we must make changes from time to time, but it's tough when you have to say goodbye to folks like our present sponsors, the Brown and Williamson Tobacco Company. The success I've had in radio is entirely due to their friendship and their helping hand and faith. Ten years ago, they gave me my first coast-to-coast broadcast, and during those years when things have gone wrong, the show wasn't as good as we'd wanted it to be, they were the first ones to say, well, it'll be all right next week. We're very grateful for their friendship. They're responsible for all the wonderful things that we have today. I would also like to thank the Russell MC's Advertising Agency, our engineer, Art Burley, our producer, Keith McLeod, the sound effect boys, Fred Cole and Jack Robinson, and the best cast in radio, 
Also, Edna Brzezinski and her writing staff, Minnie Friedman, Johnny Murray, Dick McKnight, Harvey Helm, for making this a wonderful season. And most of all, we would like to thank you folks for tuning us in. Believe me, when we come back on the air next fall with our new sponsor, Procter & Gamble, we'll try harder than ever to win your approval. Thank you. Tonight, a new feature. People you'll meet sooner or later. Finally got it out of hock, huh? If you were a motorcycle officer, sooner or later you'd meet this type of driver. I point out my car, start the motor, and put me behind the wheel, I'll drive you home. Billy, I don't think you should drive. Oh, stop quibbling and light my cigarette for me, will you? That's not a cigarette in your mouth. That's your tongue sticking out. It's a cigarette and light it, will you? All right, you asked for it. Well, now are you convinced? The cat must have got my tongue. How <laughs> do expect me to talk with a mouth full of ashes? Come on, get in. No, don't stand there. Get in, get in, get well, in. what's the matter? Don't you open the door for a lady? Somebody coming with us? <laughs> and you used to be so romantic, oh, Willie. Oh, yeah. I'll never forget the night we were married. Oh, yeah. You carried me across the threshold. Well, we'll even it up tonight. You can carry me across. <laughs> well, close the door. Close the door. I'm going to start the car and I'll watch it because I got a pretty fast pickup. A pretty fast pickup. Uh, get out of your room. Willie, will you slow down? Now, how? Use the handbrake. I am using it. How do you think I'm beating the pedestrians off with? <laughs> Now you're driving on the left side of the road. I know I'm driving on the left side of the road. That's so the cars won't sneak up behind me. <laughs> bumper riders, ooh, they make me so nervous. <laughs> Slow down, Willie. There's a dip in the road. Are you referring to me, old girl? <laughs> this car can take it, though. You'll watch it now. Hold on. <laughs> Say, you get more freight there with your head sticking out of the top, don't you? <laughs> Read Honest John's ass better, too. Hey, are we on fire? No. Can we call an ambulance? No. Well, then it must be a cop coming. Yep, there he is. Don't go Now, look now, it's the cop, so let me handle it. You keep your big mouth shut, will you? My mouth isn't big. Oh, no. Every time you yawn, your ears disappear. <laughs> Pardon me for intruding, folks. Uh, what can I do for you, bub? Uh, what can I do for Well, you? I was just curious to know if you were speeding or buzzing the neighborhood. May I see <laughs> I'm sorry I was speeding, officer, but you see, I gotta hurry to the hospital, you see. The big moment has arrived. Your wife's gonna have a baby? No, she's gonna beat my brains out. I thought we'd better go to the hospital where it'd be. <laughs> Well, let's see your license. Yeah, license. Yeah, here you are. Here you are. Uh, what's that license with the skull and crossbones on? Oh, that's my marriage license. <laughs> Just as a piece stamped that on there, and they saw my wife. Uh, come on, come on. Give me your driver's license. I don't have one. <laughs> I guess that's something you don't it, huh? I don't have a license. Uh, so you don't have a license? No. Well, wait till the judge hears about he this. He knows about it. He took it away from me. <laughs> 
Oh, you look familiar to me. Do you have a police record? No, we haven't recorded since Patrilla put the band on. <laughs> what do you do for a living? I'm a masseur in a bakery. I take the kinks out of lopsided pretzels. <laughs> Now, please, be polite. Look, I'm trying to be polite, dear. I want you to be proud of my good manners, dearest. So while I'm talking to this bum, keep your mouth down. Is this your wife? That's my wife. You want it? I'll have to give you a ticket. What's your name? Willie Lump Lump. Where were you coming from? A party. Did you have a good time? I must have. They threw me out. <laughs> I see it was a formal affair. Mm -hmm. It was a formal affair. You're wearing tails. Ah, uh, just a minute, you. <laughs> what are you trying to do? Make a monkey out of me? Where was the party? Well, you know where Wilshire Boulevard is? Yeah. You know where crosses Figaro? Yeah. You know where Figaro goes in the eighth? Yeah. Well, go there and leave me alone. <laughs> Look, Sterno Breath. Yeah. <laughs> Where do you live? Ah, uh, you're being rather forward, aren't you? Uh, we just met, after all. Come on, now, where do you live? I live with my wife. Where does she live? She is with her mother. You both live with your wife's mother? Yeah, when we were first married, we had a little quarrel, and my wife went home to her mother, and she forgot to let go of my neck. Now, you're asking for it, Bob. I'll have to take you down to stay. Oh, get your hands off of me. Maybe you don't know it, but I got an in with the chief of police. In fact, I was in for 30 days. <laughs> broke about every traffic law in the book. Speeding, no hand signals, weaving in and out of traffic, no headlights. Uh, you forgot that green light I ran through. Well, there's no law running through a green light, bub. Okay, pick up the glass and we'll say no more about it. Please, officer, let Willie go this time. Nothing doing. If I have anything to say about it, he'll be locked up in solitary confinement and eat nothing but bread and water. Oh, no. Let him go free so he can come home and live with mother and me. I'm sorry. The officer made the best deal. It's for your own sake, Bob. It's the only way you guys can learn. Oh, Willie. All you ever do is disgrace me and yourself. And you're a good man when you want to be. When you're good, you're the best man in the world, Willie. The whistle blew. Six o'clock. <laughs> Get up off your knees. Stop your mascara from running. Somebody will think you're Al Jolson. You know? Look, officer, I was wrong. I'm sorry they ought to lock every guy up like me that drives like this. Uh, well, that's better. Yeah, lock me up. Look, I'm folks, no good. You seem like a nice couple, and I uh, will forget the ticket. Here, give it back to me. Give I'll get back. going, but take it easy. Oh, what do you say? Indian giver. <laughs> When other brands have ceased to please, Roundup cools for smoking ease. Switch from hot to cool cigarettes. When your mouth feels hot and dry from smoking too many ordinary cigarettes, that's the time to light up a cool. Cool, specially blended, finer tobaccos bring back long lost smoking pleasure. And no matter how many cools you smoke, you'll always enjoy their cool, refreshing flavor. Switch from hot to cool cigarettes for that clean, cool taste in your mouth. 
Just smoke a cool and you will see how refreshing cools can be. Switch from hot to cool cigarettes for that clean, cool taste in your mouth. As Willie the Penguin says, smoke cool, smoke cool, smoke cool. Dave Rose and the Cool Cigarette Orchestra play his own Strinkopation. Talk to me, act snooty if you want to. Go and be snooty. Maybe I'll kick you in the shins. You'll come to a little gap. Well, you didn't have to go all to pieces. <laughs> Look at that, arms and legs all over the place. <laughs> what am I doing? What am I doing? They certainly don't make people like they used to. <laughs> Nemo, 
llamo, Ava. Ava, me llamo, ¿eh? Hello there, little boy. Are you lost? Hey. Why don't you pay attention? <laughs> Boy, if everybody's as dumb as you, I'll never be found again. Oh, I'm a Nemo, I'm Lord. Come on, Nemo! Yoo-hoo! You little stinker's Lord! Boys out here. Uh, this little boy is lost. Well, I'll take charge of You're you. not going to charge me nothing. I didn't... Who are you, anyhow? The store detective? That's right. How'd you guess? Well, you're the only guy walking through the store not buying anything. You don't look smart enough to be a shoplifter. I think we'd better take him into the office. Here, now, you have to... Come on. Have you, you seen my Nemo? No, but if you is tell you me where you got lost... Is, uh, no, if you tell me where you got lost, maybe I can find it. Well, I was on the second floor near the broken dish department. Oh, you must be mistaken, son. We don't have a broken dish department. <laughs> news for you, kiddo. You don't know me very well. <laughs> it ought to be easy to find them, or you just look for a bargain counter with a crowd around it, and then watch somebody pulling for something that somebody else wants, and that'll be her. That'll be her. Oh. The other day, she grabbed a dress, you know, mm-hmm. and somebody else grabbed it at the same time. And the part she got looked pretty good on her. <laughs> oh, brother, I either get them like this or hungry. Uh, look, Sonny, uh... <laughs> you know your name? Yes, I know my name. What is it? Well, the widow boys in the neighborhood call me Butch, and the widow girls call me Prince Charming. Until last week I had my first fight, now the widow boys call me Prince Charming, and the widow girls don't call me no more. Well, uh, tell me, do you know where you live? All intelligent children should know where they live. Yes, I don't know the exact address, but I live right next door to Gene Fowler, the man that wrote the life of Jimmy Walker, you know. And where do they live? They moved out right after we moved in. <laughs> hey, Pat, maybe a bag of candy would get some information out of them. Yes, here, I, I've got some in my pocket. What do you like this? My, isn't this delicious? Hey, what you eating? What you eating? What you eating? Candy. Now, I'll give you some if you tell me who you are. Kind of stale. I heard some pizza iron drop. <laughs> okay, you give me a piece of candy, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you, it's a deal, here. All right. Yeah. Fine. Mm-hmm. Now, who are you? I'm the widow boy. That you just gave the candy to. <laughs> sucker, sucker. <laughs> Why does this happen to me? Maybe I'm being punished for stealing that tie in the bargain basement. <laughs> Look, Sonny, uh, yeah. where's your mother? She's in Washington. She's trying to get a bill passed to make stork a- enemy aliens. <laughs> she still thinks I'm a subversive act. <laughs> Versa. <laughs> Are you all right, Junior? Well, yes, barely. I got lost, and these two men were giving me a third degree like he does a murderer. They had lights in me face. They were going to beat me with blackjack. Ooh, boy, they were. Just for being lost? Yes. Why, how dare you? Yes, how dare you? How dare you intimidate how my How dare you to imitate me? For two cents, I, I call my, my husband. Yes, and we knows what saloon he's in, too. <laughs> Well, I'm very sorry, madam. I've made a terrible mistake, and I apologize for finding him. Oh. Uh, while, you're... while you're in the store, why don't you visit our boys' department? Uh, we have a special on straight jackets today. Well, why don't you get yourself one? He knows me pretty well after all, don't he? Huh? Well, now, come along, Junior. Okay. Goodbye, you imitation of Dick Tracy, you. Oh! Oh, no, 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 no,
got loads of things to do. You lose me if you ever let go of me. Hey. Junior, hmm? stop dragging your feet. Well, I'm tired. You carry me now, more will you carry me? I'm tired. Well, I'm tired too. Well, you carry me. Well, I can't carry you. Goodness, you carry me now, or I'm going to tell on you. You'll tell what? I'll tell everybody in this show all about you. You, the way you try to camouflage, you stuff with makeup and all of that. I tell them how old you. I tell them that not only did you entertain the boys in the last war, but at Gettysburg, too. <laughs> Why, I did not. I'm not that old. Oh, no. No. Oh, you not, huh? No. Hey, Vernon, President Lincoln has just finished his address. Good. Now I'll slap the boys with my new song, Battle Cry of Free. <laughs> Oh, you, you yes, I did. Hey, Nemo, either your beak busted or your teeth fell out. <laughs> Look at him grin at me down here. Look at him snapping at me now. You'll never get out. Of here. Come on, come on. I've got some more shopping to do. Hey, Emma, are you mad at me? No, I'm not mad. No. I'm just so upset I'm shaking. Yeah. Really busted a gasket, didn't you, huh? I was was nearly frantic searching for you, dear. Ah. And all the time you were lost, I, I kept imagining the most horrible things. Ah. Like, uh, sooner or later, I was bound to find you. <laughs> you sure just love me, don't you, huh? You don't love me, oh, you no, more. Now, that's loves all right. Me. Now dry your tears. Nobody loves me. Yes, they do, dear. You don't love me. Now I'll dry those tears, honey. No, just let them flow, and I won't have to watch me face tonight. <laughs> hey, Nemo, can I have a lollipop? No, suck your thumb. I am. I don't like it. All the flavor is gone. Let's go into this department. Oh. I have to buy you some new shoes. Oh, give me some cowboy boots, huh? Some, some cowboy, cowboy boots? boots? Yeah. Well, I'll see. Hmm? Well, you, hey, by the time you got me a new pair of shoes, anyhow, I've been wearing these things for a week now. <laughs> me toes are sticking out. Me feet have no privacy at all. Look <laughs> at me toes when I walk. They just spread out like the wheels and the spokes in the wagon wheel. Look at them. Well, I wonder why it is children wear out their shoes so fast. When I was your age, my parents didn't have to buy me new shoes every week. Why, well, naturally, when, when, because when your age, the shoes hadn't been invented yet, wouldn't <laughs> Well, didn't everybody wear moccasins when you were your boy? Now that's enough. You remember setting bull when he was setting pretty. <laughs> Come on now. No, okay. Uh-oh, look, 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 look. What? Here comes that detective running after the elevator. I wonder what would happen if I stuck my foot out just about like that. Oh, 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 oh. Just as I thought. Why did you make me miss that elevator? I thought you could get there quicker by air. I don't know. If you don't... Uh, oh, look. What? Oh, look at those nice house dresses. Oh. They're just what I need. Yes, you is as big as a house, ain't you? <laughs> now, don't be smarty. No. Oh, Junior, hmm? look, the toy department. Oh, yes. Yeah. Why don't you look around? Yes. You might see something you like. Yes. And if you're good... Yes. I might bring you back to see it again yes. sometime. <laughs> well, thanks, Sporty. That's nice of you. 
Oh, you got a hobby horse. Got a hobby horse. Get off of that hobby horse. The British is coming. The British is coming. Junior, get off that hobby horse. One by land and two by sea. And on the opposite shore, I shall be under the spreading chestnut tree. I said get off. The Marines have landed. Thanks for being with us tonight, and we invite you to listen again next week to an evening with Sigmund Romberg. So until then... This is Red Skelton saying goodbye now. Thanks for listening. Thanks for buying more cools this year than ever before. And folks, remember the advice of Willie the Penguin. Smoke cools. Smoke cools. Smoke Sir Walter Raleigh, the pipe tobacco that rates superior on all five counts. Check them. A rich, ripe, full-bodied, burly blend. Sir Walter Raleigh, pipe tobacco. Mellowed with rum for extra smoothness. Deep down, satisfying goodness. That's Sir Walter Raleigh, pipe tobacco. Clean smoking all the way down. No soggy heel. Leaves only a clean, dry ash. And that's Sir Walter Raleigh, pipe tobacco. Crimp cut for slow, even, cool burning. Yes, Sir Walter Raleigh, pipe tobacco. The brand of grand aroma. Keeps home, sweet home. It's Sir Walter Raleigh, sooner or later, your favorite tobacco. Yes, a favorite with college men, servicemen, businessmen. Men everywhere who know and appreciate quality pipe smoking. Smoke Sir Walter Raleigh, the quality pipe tobacco of America. Brown and Williamson invite you to listen to People Are Funny with Art Linkletter next Friday. Red Skelton is heard in this program through the courtesy of Metro-Golden-Mayer and has been brought to you by the makers of Cool Cigarettes. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. Portland, where where have you been the last six weeks? And Fred Allen asks a great question. Hey, everybody, this is OTR Rob welcoming you to another edition of the Fred Allen Show. This Fred Allen Show is from June 27, 1948. And Portland Hoppe hasn't been on the show for the past couple of months. If you've noticed, Kenny Delmar has been introducing Fred Allen and and Kenny Delmar and Fred Allen have been handling the banter back and forth between one another. And where has Portland been? Well, Portland had been home because she got struck down with Virus X. It was a severe type of flu that they had no cure for. And there was a number of people who had died from the Virus X. Miraculously, Portland Hoffa survived it and came to go back on Fred Allen's show on the last show of the season of the 1947-48 season. I'm glad that I picked this show for being the final show of the Fred Allen season. 
because Jack Benny is on the program, and Fred Allen is going to see Jack Benny off because Jack Benny's taking a cruise. It's always a plus to have Jack Benny on a Fred Allen show. You know that the comedy is really going to be good, and in this case, it's no exception. So enjoy this Fred Allen show, the final summer show. And I thought I would bring up something else, too, and that is that during this time, Fred Allen is making fun of a show called Stop the Music. Stop the Music just premiered on another network at the exact same time that Fred Allen airs his show. Even now, Fred Allen's Hooper has dropped just a little bit. But for most of the season, Fred Allen has been number one in the Hooper ratings. So Fred Allen's going off the air, and when he comes back in the fall, he's going to have a tough road to hoe because Stop the Music has caught on with the public something fierce, and it would mark Fred Allen's last year on a regular scheduled Fred Allen show. Fred Allen would not be back on another Fred Allen show. He would be back in about two years from now, but it would not be a real Fred Allen show. It will be the big show starting in late 1949-1950. I hope to see everybody in the fall, and uh, stick around this summer for our summer shows. The Ford Dealers of America present the Fred Allen Show. A friend of nature boys named Jack Benny. Fulton Hoffa, Minerva Pius, Peter Donald, Parker Penley, the DeMarco sisters, and Al Goodman and his orchestra. And this is Kenny Delmar speaking for your friendly Ford dealer. If you haven't yet seen the car of the year, the one and only new car in its field, by all means, ask your Ford dealer to show you the 49 Ford tomorrow. that I haven't been here the last few weeks to introduce our star, but tonight I'm back. And here I am again, Portland Hopper. Thank you, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Portland, where where have you been the last six weeks? Well, I had to stay home with Mama. Oh, really? Why? Mama lost a fortune. How? Every Sunday, Mama sat home and they didn't call her. Who didn't call her? Stop the music. <laughs> oh, how, uh... You can do better. You're just feeling them out. I... How come you're, uh... <laughs> How come you're out tonight? Well, Mama got a sitter. Oh, a babysitter? No. They have sitters for Stop the Music. No kidding. Mm-hmm. If you want to go out... The sitter answers the phone and sits with the $18,000 until you get home. uh, They're the Lever Brothers again. Thank you, boy. (laughs) Say, if you were... Say, that's... uh, That's uh, that's some profession, a quiz sitter. Oh, everybody's listening to Stop the Music. Oh, I know that. According to the latest Hooper survey, the only one who listens to our program is Edgar Bergen. Even he's gone away, so tonight we're just... Radio programs today are giving everything away. I know. Radio is the Marshall Plan with music. (laughs) 
slogan of the quiz program is, if you can't entertain people, give them something. <laughs> Just don't waste their time. Have them hanging around if nothing happens. You should change the name of this program to Stop the Comedy and yeah. give away new boards. I should uh, change it to Stop the Comedy. Gene, <laughs> that's not a bad idea. Well, Portland, this is our last program for the summer. Is this the last time you'll mention Jack Eigen? Yes, it looks that way. <laughs> if there's anything... There's Mr. Eigen. Thank you, Mr. <laughs> In case we call on him for a personal appearance later, you know. If there's anything you'd like to say since this is our last program, you know, before we finish... Well, I have some things that you cut out during the winter. Oh, really? What things? I had a song. What was the title of the song? When they find out about phenobarbital in Tennessee, it'll be sleepy time down south. <laughs> I can't imagine why I cut that out. And I had some jokes. Really? What, uh, what jokes? What was about the man who ate nothing but radishes for 20 years? Ate radishes for 20 years? In his old age, he went down to Long Island and lived on the Sound. <laughs> What? What are you laughing at? Well, to me, that's very funny. Really? Well, if you ever came up before a juvenile jury for telling that joke, you would get 30 days in the playpen. Say, <laughs> it's getting late, Portland. I think I'd better start for Alan's Alley. What is your question tonight? Well, this is our last program. I'm just going down to the alley and say goodbye to our friends and to ask them where they plan to spend their vacations this summer. Shall we go? As the chorus girl said when the bee lit on her skin, I think I'll shake a leg. Ah, what a night in Allen's Alley, Portland. The front of Senator Claghorn's fence is gone. He must have given somebody the gate. Oh, well, let's, uh, let's see if the Senator's in. I see somebody whap my watches. Oh, it's you, son. Yes, Senator. Well, let's go, son. I'm busier than Arthur Murray hostess trying to teach a pupil with St. Vitus dance. You're busy? Yeah, I've been over to Philadelphia attending that Republican convention. Oh. I ain't seen so much hot air since the night I opened the wrong door in that Turkish bath. <laughs> what about the Republican candidate, Senator? Well, uh, Dewey ain't never going to get little old Harry out of the White House. Who says so? Petrillo says so. Petrillo? <laughs> Nobody can take no piano player off of no job unless Patrillo says so. I imagine you saw some amusing sidelights at the convention, Senator. Yeah, I enjoyed one incident. <laughs> <laughs> what was it, Senator? Well, one day my hat blew into a saloon. I stepped in to get it. A man was sitting at the bar asleep. Yeah? As I picked up my hat, the man woke up. He looked up at the television. Herbert Hoover was making a speech. Yeah? A man blinked his eyes and said, If Hoover is president, what am I doing with three dollars in my pocket? <laughs> This is our last visit together. What are you going to do this summer? I'm going to the beach, son. I see. I'm going to put on my bathing suit. Yes? I'm going to sprawl out on that hot sand. Yeah? And then I'm going to do what all our senators do all the rest of the year in the Senate. What? Just keep lying. So long, so son. Long. So long, Eddie. Well, when the senator gets sprawled out, there'll be something new under the sun. Oh, well, let's, uh... Let's wake up, Mr. Moody. Howdy, Bob. 
Well, Mr. Moody, are you going away for a vacation? Oh, I can't. I'm renting my barn for summer theater. Oh. <laughs> Last summer, I cleaned up. Made $180. $180. Well, what happened? Well, sir, one day I was out in the yard. Yeah? I was buttering the trees so caterpillars couldn't crawl up them. <laughs> yeah? And a fella comes up. Yeah? He's carrying a bamboo cane, and in his tie, he's got a diamond. A diamond, eh? Yeah. It's as big as a looting cough drop, and it's about the same yellow color. <laughs> yeah? I smelt donuts on this fella's breath, so I knowed he was an actor. <laughs> He says, he says, Rube, I'm here to rent your barn for Orson Buskin and his touring Shakespearean players. Uh-huh. It's a deal, I says. Oh, he was the advance man. He didn't say. Oh, he didn't say. <laughs> the next day, Orson Buskin, his leading lady, Anna Cesario, yeah. and the Shakespearean players arrived in town. They swung off a freight train. The, uh... <laughs> The actors, eh? Yeah. They looked like a mob that had just broke a hunger strike. I see. Well, sir, that night the show opened. It's Hamlet. Hamlet. All the Shakespearean actors is wearing long black underwear. Tights? Loose on most of them. <laughs> The leading ladies was baggy. Oh, <laughs> In the back. Oh. Orson Buskin is strutting around the stage, holding a skull and saying, Alas, poor Boric, I knew him well. Well, how was the show? Rotten. <laughs> the audience threw 200 eggs at the actors. Well, if the show was so bad the audience threw eggs, how did you make $180? I was in the lobby selling the eggs at 90 cents a dozen. So long. <laughs> With 200 eggs, Mr. Moody could lay on with McDuff. Oh, well, let's, let's try this next door. Hi, Jackie. Ah, Mrs. Nussbaum. Oh, you're wearing a corsage. What are those flowers? Lilies of the alley. <laughs> I see. In the center, there's a nasty urchin. Oh, the, uh, the nasty urchin looks pretty. My little niece is graduating Mrs. Buxbaum's finishing academy. Oh, and you're dressed up? You went to the graduation? My niece is valedictorio. Oh, swell. She's reciting a poem. What was her class poem? She's calling it Ever Onwards. Ever Onwards. How does it go? Fairly well, Mrs. Buxbaum's finishing academy. You learned us all that we are knowing. Never backwards, sideways, up or downwards. Whatever onwards we are going. Say that. <laughs> well, tell me, Mrs. Nussbaum, where are you going on your vacation this year? No place. No? Last year, we are stopping by Kramer's Castle in the Catskills. And uh, you're not going back? Pierre is gaining 90 pounds. 90 pounds? How come? By Kramer's, when it is time to eat in there, blowing a bugle. A bugle, huh? The first day the bugle is blowing, we are eating breakfast. Uh-huh. Barely we are sitting on the veranda. Yeah. Again is blowing the bugle. Yeah. We are going back, also eating again breakfast. Uh-huh. They're coming out, again is blowing the bugle. You ate again? All day long is blowing the bugle. And you and Pierre? Three breakfasts. Two lunches with four dinners we are eating. And this kept up? Every day. So soon we are finished eating. Toot, 
is blowing the bugle. <laughs> we are having to eat it. Well, isn't that unusual? Kramer's Castle serving so many meals a day? Ultimately, they are discovering. Discovering what? Who is blowing the bugle is not Kramer. Well, who? <laughs> who then? In back of Kramer's Castle in the Catskills... Yes? ...is living a Boy Scout, thank you. <laughs> For the last time, let's call on Mr. Cassidy. Mr. Cassidy, you were. Mr. Cassidy, you have a black eye. I have that. I look as though my eyeball is passing through a total eclipse. Tell me, who gave you the peeper? Sure, nobody gave it to me. I had to fight half an hour to get it. <laughs> what, uh, what happened? Well, yesterday, you see, I was invited to a wedding. Yeah? Knocko Nolan's homely daughter married Mullet Muldoon's half-witted nephew. Oh, this was, <laughs> this was some affair. At the wedding breakfast, I was suddenly taken frosty. Yeah? So says I to Knocko. I'll take a little punch. Uh-huh. With that, Knocko rolls up his sleeve and gives it to me. Well, Mr. Cassidy, are you and your eye going away for your summer vacation? Uh, now, why should I go away? What have they got any place else that we haven't got here in New York? Well, they have water. Sure, we got sewers backing up on every street in the city. <laughs> well, they have scenery. Me front window overlooks a brewery. You can't find scenery any finer than that. <laughs> Uh, when the sun slowly sinks behind the big pile of steaming malt in the brewery yard, to the picture Fitzpatrick will never show you in a travelogue. But, but how can you escape the intense heat here in New York? Well, no, I, I, I do what Rinty Monahan does. What? But when the heat gets so bad, Rinty can't stand it. Yes? Rinty starts insulting Grogan the cop. Insulting him? I'm saying insulting him how? Well, Rinty yells at Grogan, Ah, your grandfather is gargantuan. Yes? Then he yells, Your aunt sleeps with her eyes open. Yeah. And for the clincher, he yells, Ah, your mother wears army shoes. <laughs> well, wait, it's Grogan the cop gets mad. Naturally. But how does Rinty escape the heat? Grogan calls the wagon. Yes. And rushes Rinty off to the municipal deep freeze. The municipal deep freeze? The cooler. The oh, boy. Wow. <laughs> joint appearance, the five DeMarco sisters and maestro Al Goodman blend their talents to bring us fellow with an umbrella. Together, 
say, Fred. Yes, Kenny? There's a policeman outside to see you. A policeman to see me? Well, why should a policeman... Here he comes, Fred. You, Fred Allen? Well, yes, officer. You work for the Ford dealers, don't you? Yes, officer. Allen, you got to stop talking about the new Ford car. You're violating the law. It's against the law to talk about the new Ford? You're causing crowds to congregate. Crowds? What crowds? All day there's crowds in front of that Ford dealer's window on Broadway. Oh, uh, don't worry about crowds blocking traffic in front of a Ford dealer's showroom, officer. It's happening all over the country. Never mind all over the country. you got to get rid of them crowds on Broadway. But, officer, that dealer is displaying a new 49 Ford. There never was a car like this before. It's new and revolutionary in its field. The new Ford is a big, roomy car, safer and more economical to operate. And it hits a new high and smooth, comfortable rut. Oh, give me no commercial. Yeah, but, officer, the new Ford... The new Ford is the talk of the automobile trade. It has the look of the year. In fact, it's the car of the year. You can't blame everyone for wanting to see it. I'm not blaming nobody. Just get rid of them crowds. Why, officer? I want to have a look at that new Ford myself. (laughs) Say, uh, Portland, Portland. Yes? We've got to get busy. This is our last program of the season at NBC, you know. I I know. Yes, and give the broom back to the vice president in charge of brooms on, on the next floor. <laughs> and you know what else you have to do? Yes, I have to wipe off the acoustics. Yes, have the acoustics good and dry when we leave. Pick up any racing forms the musicians leave behind. <laughs> and any parlays, turn them right over to me. And when the program is over, if anybody in the audience is sleeping, yes. I'm to wake them up and tell them to go home until October. Right. Well, I guess that's everything, Portland. I'll say goodbye to you now. Have a nice vacation. I'll see you in the fall. Oh, are you going now? Yes, I have to. Jack Benny's sailing for England. I promised to see Jack off. I bought him this travel book. Look, Fielding's new travel guide to Europe. Say, it's late, Portland. I better start for Jack's hotel. So long, Portland. Ah, this must be the Benny Suite. There's a do bill sticking out under the door. <laughs> I wonder if old Tacit Pockets is in. Oh, hello, friend. Jack Benny. Well, uh, well, Jack. Come on in, Fred. I'm packing. Oh, packing. Go right ahead. Sit down. Like something to drink? Uh, no, thanks. Coke, Seven Up, Crown Cola? No, no. I'm closing them out. They're only four cents a bottle. Four cents with two straws. Two straws. Yeah, if you buy a bottle, I'll join you, and I hope you do. Sam Thirsty. No, no, Jack. I just came over to say goodbye. Why, I thought you'd be all packed. No, and I've been riding around on the subway all day. Why? It was my last chance. Last chance in the subway? Next Thursday, the fare goes up to 10 cents. I'm riding while the price is right, brother. But, Jack... Ten cents for a subway ride. Well, I didn't do it. If Ralph Edwards hadn't made me the walking man, this would have done it. (laughs) I better finish packing, huh? Well, look, as you're packing, you can't pack this bathing suit, Jack. Look, it's still wet. I know. And what about this little package here? Oh, that's a carton of Lucky Strikes. I bought them in New Jersey, you know. Oh? (laughs) 
Well, why go all the way to Jersey to buy a carton of cigarettes? Oh, it's a nice trip. Besides, I saved 24 cents tax there. <laughs> well, how could you save 24 cents? It cost 20 cents to get to Jersey and back on the ferry. Well, I didn't go on the ferry. Well, how did you get across the Hudson River? Give me that bathing suit. I'll ring it up. Jack, be careful. One sleeve and the skirt are still dripping. <laughs> well, that's the, that's the trouble with these Annette Kellerman models. I told Annette the day she gave it to me. Yeah. Annette, I said, if you can keep it from dripping, you can make a fortune. Hey, I, I just remember, Jack, I brought you this book. Here, Fielding's New Travel Guide to Europe. Thanks, Fred, but I've got my trip all planned. Oh, where are you going to stay in England? Well, Ronnie and Benita Coleman recommended a place they said I'd like. Yeah? His Majesty's Trailer Camp. <laughs> it's run by Sir Herbie Harrison. Sir Herbie? Yeah, he's the Howard Johnson of England. <laughs> well, you're all set. Where else are you going? Well, I may fly over to France for a week or two of, uh, parley-booing. Yeah? <laughs> Have you, uh, have you got a place to stay in France? Yeah, you see, Charles Boyer gave me an address. Oh, a French trailer camp? No, it's Hildegard's aunt. Oh. <laughs> she rents rooms in the Eiffel Tower. Oh, Hildegard. <laughs> in, the, uh, in the Eiffel Tower? How are you going to get around? Do you speak French? Oh, I'm learning. I'm learning French. We. We? That means us in French. <laughs> Kidding. Yeah, listen to this, Fred. Qui akashe le rossignol suma petit. Oh, boy, do you rattle it off. <laughs> that's, a, what, that's all French. Now, what does that mean in English? Who is hiding the nightingale under my strudel? <laughs> well, won't, uh, won't that be a difficult sentence to work into a conversation? <laughs> You see, I'm carrying a nightingale with me. Oh. <laughs> Strudel, I can get any place. <laughs> well, look, Jack, it's time to go. With my luck, that's the bellboy. Come in. Uh, are you ready to check out, Mr. Benny? Yes, boy, you can take my bag. Well, how about the tip, Mr. Benny? The tip? You haven't carried my bags down yet. I mean for carrying them up four days ago. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. I'll settle the whole thing in the lobby. May have to break an annuity. <laughs> Then she'll be surprised. Uh, come on, come on, Jack. Boy, don't squeeze that paper bag. It's my nightingale. Come on. Well, the lobby's the lobby's empty, Jack. Let's go over to the desk. You can check out. Okay, say, clerk. Oh, yes, Mr. Benny. Here's your bill. Thank you, clerk. I'll just check these items over oh, here. Oh, come on, Jack. It's getting late. I'll just be a minute, Fred. Let's see. I got my magnifying glass here. Let's see. Clerk, what is my total bill? Uh, $43.80. Mr. Benny has fainted. Yeah, he fainted the last time he was here. He's got to make that boat, clerk. Bellboy, carry these bags and Mr. Benny out to the cab. Boy, put Mr. Benny down until his bill is paid. <laughs> but, clerk, Mr. Benny's unconscious. Then go through Mr. Benny's pockets and get the money. Well, all right. Oh, shoot. What's wrong? His pockets are locked. <laughs> 
Boy, put Mr. Benny in the safe until he comes to. But he'll miss the boat, clerk. I'll pay the bill. It's $43.80. Well, here you are. Thanks. Boy, you carry Mr. Benny's bags. I'll carry Mr. Benny and his nightingale. Well, Jack, here's your boat. Yes, sir. The Queen Beulah. <laughs> heard of the Queen Mary and the Queen Elizabeth. Well, this is a sister ship. The is Queen it? Beulah? Yeah, she's really a stepsister. Oh, a step. <laughs> Say, this man coming with the wet anchor, he must be the captain. Oh, all right. Welcome to the Queen Beulah. Shiver me timbers, oh, I'm glad to have you aboard. Well, I'm not sailing, Captain. I'm seeing Mr. Benny off. Uh, very well, I'll check your passport, Mr. Benny. Here you are. Mm. Something wrong? Or this picture. <laughs> well, Captain, you know... Passport pictures. But this is a shrunken up old bloke with no hair and no teeth. But, uh... I can't accept this passport, Mr. Benny. This picture ain't you. But, Captain... Jack, you want to get to England, don't you? Yes. You better take off your toupee. <laughs> All right. There you are, Captain. Well, that takes care of the scalp. Jackie. Yes? You better take out your teeth. <laughs> How's that, Captain? Well, now you resemble the picture, Mr. Benny. You're a shrunken up old bloke. All the embarrassing things. I bet Lana Turner didn't go through all of this. <laughs> Jack, Jack, quit complaining. It's your own fault. Where was the picture taken? Warner Brothers. They do it to me every time. <laughs> all right now, Mr. Benny, if you'll give me your ticket, I'll show you to your cabin. My ticket? Uh, yes. Maybe you, maybe you put it in your stocking with your money. No, no, I'm wearing liquid stocking. Oh, it can't be. <laughs> well, don't, don't bother looking, sir. I'll just check the list. Now, you're traveling first class, Mr. Benny. First class? Yes. Well, not exactly, is it? Oh, if you're going second class, that's three flights down. Okay, Fred, take my luck. Right, Jack. I've got everything. It's down these stairs. Say, Jack, this package under my left arm, it seems to be getting bigger. It's probably unfolding. It's a deck chair. <laughs> you, brought, you brought your own deck chair? You know, they rent them here, you know. <laughs> Say, who is this woman coming up the stairs? She's blowing up water wings there. Can I help you, gentlemen? I'm the matron, second class. Oh, will you show Mr. Benny to his cabin? Yeah, I see your ticket, Mr. Benny, please. My ticket? Don't bother. I'll check your name. You're sailing second class? Well, not exactly second class. Oh, third class. That's three flights down. Thank you. It's down here, Fred. Just follow me. Jack, I don't get it. A guy with your money can certainly afford to travel first or second class. Fred, I may be a lot of things, but there's one thing I'll never be. What's that? A snob. A snob. <laughs> A snob? When I travel, I like to be with people. Well, if you go any lower, you'll be with fish. <laughs> well, I think we're in third class now. Gosh, I'm going to look funny in my beret. Everybody down here is wearing babushkas. <laughs> All right, gents. Uh, welcome to third class. Who are you? The Thornton Chance. Oh, will you show Mr. Benny to his cabin? Cabin? You mean hammock, don't you, bud? <laughs> well, all right, to his hammock. That's better. What's your number, Buster? Number? Yeah, didn't you get a number with your ticket? My ticket? You're third class, ain't you? Well... Jack, you... <laughs> well, you must be third class. I'll check. Steward? Yeah? 
Is the coast clear? Yeah. Sam sent me. <laughs> oh, Sam sent you. Oh, that's two flights down. Two more flights? Yeah, go through the decompression chamber and turn left. Come on, Fred. What is this? Who is Sam? A sailor I met at Roseland. He said if I ever went on the Queen Beulah to mention his name. Here we are, Fred. Put the bags down. Gosh, it's dark in here, Jack. It sure is. Hey, Jack, something is licking my face. No kidding? It's a cow. Why, the place is crawling with cows. Good, I'll have fresh milk all the way over. <laughs> Jack Benny, the star of the Lucky Strike program. <laughs> you think you are on the contented hour. <laughs> Fred, not so loud. How can you travel down in the bottom of this boat? No room, no bed. Fred, quiet. Well, you can't stay in here with all of these cows. They can't do this for you, Jack Benny. I'll get the cat. Fred, will you shut up? Shut up. You're going to England, aren't you? Yes. You've got your ticket, haven't you? Well, you haven't got a ticket. I knew you were cheap, but going to Europe is a stowaway. Look, Alan, give me my nightingale and go already. <laughs> Benny, you can't get away with this. The captain will find you down here with all these cows, and then what are you going to say? Move. I want to thank Jack Benny for dropping in. After tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we won't be here to remind you that your Ford dealer extends you a standing invitation to stop in and let him show you the new Ford. He'll be glad to have you get inside a new Ford and handle the controls. And he will also explain the new engineering features to you. Everyone saying the new Ford is the car of the year. You'll say the same thing after you visit your Ford dealer. Thank you, and good night until October 3rd. Thank you. Good night. Video Production.